When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Could you whisper in my ear The things you want to feel I'll give you anything To feel it coming Do you wake up on your own Is this thing on? Oh my God! Lady, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name's Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, we are back at long last. Now, to be fair, we did an April news dump. We are now doing a May news dump. And Mike, I have enormously huge news for you. Uh, what is it? Dave Clawson got a contract extension. Mike. Oh, okay. That had nothing to do with your three-week-old child. No, 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 no. Dave Clawson's okay. going to be at Wake Forest for the foreseeable future. He has done a great job building that program. Uh, we're going to get into that, actually. And also, yes, uh, on the side of that, I'm a dad. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, as you, as you can imagine, it's been a very busy uh, few weeks here. I have a uh, little over two-week-old, I guess two-and-a-half-week-old, we'll say, Um Young Charlie Weaver was born uh, May 13th, 2.06 p.m., a very healthy 6 pounds, 12 ounces. Um, he and mom both doing great. So we have been uh, living that parent life for a couple weeks now and trying to keep up with everything else. Uh, it's, been a, uh, it's been a ride. I haven't slept that much or that great. So if my sentences seem a little uh, disconnected or if something just doesn't seem right with what I'm saying tonight, I'll need a pass on that. We have recorded podcasts when both of us have been hammered, when you've been on vacation and have been hammered. Um, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think we can get through this. <laughs> I think we can. Woven into the fabric at this point. Yes, I think we can handle it. <laughs> well, we'll have to see. Uh, Mike, we have not recorded here since we talked to Cam Underwood back in early April. Now it is May 30th. We figured we had to squeeze one in here before the end of May to meet our monthly quota at the very least even though it has been like seven weeks. So we apologize to the people. Uh, we have not abandoned you. Um, really, we were waiting on a new episode of Podcast Ain't Played Nobody to drop, if, if you're really being honest. But Oh, my God. <laughs> I uh, I was singing some praises at work today when I saw that pop on my phone. That was a good day. Yeah, and it was only really one half of Pappin, So There you um, go. Yeah, I haven't listened yet. Is. Yeah, I, I haven't, haven't either. But Elliot was apparently co-hosting, so it should be pretty good. They did their big ACC preview too, so that's a uh, that's a good Thank one for you all folks to listen to. If you haven't listened to podcast, ain't played nobody. Go listen to it and just recognize that the uh, super southern sounding dude who says he's from Florida State is not a normal host there, but he is very good. He's entertaining. He does a lot of recruiting stuff. Yep, Mike, we have some news to hit on. Uh, we we promised the NC State draft look back. We're going to get there. That's going to be within this episode. But before we do that. Um, first off, some news that dropped uh, probably about a month ago. It was right at the end of April. Our boy Brett McMurphy, college football reporter extraordinaire that ESPN just found a reason not to value. Uh, he dropped some news that the ACC getting a new bowl game starting in 2020. It's going to be played at the home of your Boston Red Sox, Fenway Park, which begs the question, Mike. A, 
new bowl game, good thing. B, going to Fenway Park in late December slash early January, how high is that on your priority list? Extremely low on my priority list, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I know it's difficult to believe. Um, I don't like to freeze my balls off, it turns out. You don't? I don't. Well, um, different strokes. I I guess. I mean, <laughs> you have a kid and don't sleep. I don't like freezing my balls off in January in Boston. So those are that's where we're at here. Welcome back to the Freak Show podcast, brought to you, <laughs> brought to you by the ACC. God. Oh man, this could be a train wreck tonight. Let's do it. Goodness, let's go. Uh, Brett makes the point in his article that uh, this now gives the ACC a bowl game in both the home of the Boston Red Sox and their beloved friends, the New York Yankees. Um, in case again, you like watching college football in Major League Baseball stadiums in the Northeast in late December. So seems like a bad idea. Yeah, so there, I mean, there's that. It's it's another bowl game. That's a good thing, and more opportunities for the uh, the teams to show their show face in in the postseason. And it'll probably be nice that it'll replace something like the Shreveport bowl game or something ridiculous like that. But um, you know, we'll have to uh, we'll have to see kind of how this goes. Um, so keep your eye out for that and, and start booking your uh, tickets to Boston, unless you, of course, you're a Boston College fan and can just kind of drive across town and go see stuff at Fenway Park because you're already cold anyways. You might as well just go see college football while you're at it. Yeah, it's like a mid-tier bowl game for the ACC that BC will probably be playing in when they go 7-5 and five again. So, <laughs> What makes you say they're going to do that? And we're back. <laughs> oh, man, we've been uh, we've been off here for a little bit. Um, Mike, we have three contract extensions in the ACC to talk about. In addition to Dave Doran's, which we talked about before, uh, we got three additional ones, including one that is late breaking news here as we record on Thursday, May the 30th. Um, first off, as I mentioned on the top of the show, Dave Clawson signs a contract extension. It's an eight-year deal going through 2026. Uh, it gives him a good pay raise for both him and his staff. That's good. Um, he, you know, as, as six and six, seven and five seasons go, it was a really impressive one for Wake Forest last year. They went seven and six with a bowl win over Memphis. Um, and they looked like they very well could have been dead in the water about halfway through the season. And the way that they were able to rally down the stretch had a huge wins over NC State and Duke, both on the road. Dave Clawson doing an excellent job there. The only thing that we've talked about that I, I don't know that we have a lot of clarity on at this point is how long is Dave Clawson for Wake Forest and or how urgently is somebody trying to hire Dave Clawson away from Wake Forest? As soon as he wins nine games in the Atlantic, which I don't know if that's feasible at Wake Forest or not. But with that being said, like for him to get back to bowl eligibility, what was supposed to be a rebuilding year, and he had a freshman quarterback for a good bit of the year as well. And, you know, it was Jamie Newman and Sam Hartman and you're juggling quarterbacks a little bit. You find a way to get back to bowl eligibility when you were supposed to hit the reset last season. It was really impressive. So the contract extensions well deserved. If he can get to eight or nine wins at Wake Forest, Joey, um, I think a lot of athletic directors out there understand how difficult that is to do. I think if he's able to do that this year on the heels of what was already impressive, getting back to bowl eligibility in a rebuilding year, you know, if there is a, you know, middle of the road power five job that kind of surpasses Wake Forest, because it, I mean, truth be told, that wouldn't be too difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't think Dave Clawson is necessarily long for the Wake Forest job. Um, I, I think he could definitely dip and and find greener pastures. I mean, he was considered a couple of years ago for the Tennessee job. I don't know how serious that was, but 
he was at least on the short list um, after the whole Greg Schiano debacle. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's out there and he's been considered before. So I think it is only a matter of time before he lands a bigger job than what Wake Forest has to offer. Yeah. And I'm sitting here trying to think of like, what is a mid-level power five team? Not necessarily one that would come calling sometime soon. You know, it's, you know, you could, could you see like a Kansas valuing from him? Yeah. But they just hired less miles and I don't know. You really upgrade anything going to Kansas from Wake Forest. Someone right. like a Texas tech, if they hadn't hired Matt Wells, yeah, I mean, that's probably a step up from Wake Forest in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I think there's opportunities like a Maryland, maybe, if they hadn't. Again, they, there's some, some of these people that have hired different coaches recently, but at the same time, you got to think that, it, and, and this is going to sound bad, and I, I apologize, Wake Forest fans, if this bothers you, but there's a lot of Power 5 programs that could pretty much just straight-up money whip Wake Forest coaches out of there at this point. I mean, yeah. It, Wake Forest is not going to be able to compensate at a top 40 level in the Power Five, put it that way. It'll help a little bit having the ACC network here in the, you know, in the next year or so. But, I mean, at some point, if he keeps doing doing what he's doing, and Mike, you mentioned having like a nine-win season there at Wake and this uh, this kind of area of the, the Atlantic division and what it is recently, I mean – it's possible somebody could come get him for sure. And and it's just, it's, you got to at least take comfort in, in Wake Forest knowing that they could probably find an equally good up and up and coming kind of guy that could kind of keep the, the train rolling. Yeah. I mean, when, when has Wake Forest been good at football? Like legitimately good, like eight or nine, 10 wins good ever. They won the ACC in the first, uh, first year of the championship game, 2006. Right. They beat Calvin Johnson's junior year, Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets there in Jacksonville and nine, six in the like worst college football game ever played. So, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll give him, we'll give him credit for that. Uh, was that the, uh, was that the Riley Skinner days? Like that's mm, might've been before that, man. And that's a long time ago. Okay, so we just named one relevant season for Wake Forest in their history. Um, any other thirteen takers? years ago? Yeah, um, and I can't even call Wake Forest a basketball school anymore, right? Like they had a a long line of NBA players that have come out of Wake Forest, but their basketball team's atrocious. So really, mm -hmm. it's it's the football team carrying the carrying the torch at the moment. Between you know, if you had to pick between football and basketball, uh, but like you mentioned. There are a lot of schools out there that can certainly outspend Wake Forest. So if mm -hmm. you know they come calling for Dave Clawson, don't expect him to hang around despite getting that contract extension, which was of course warranted to try to keep him in the fold as long as possible. Mm -hmm. The 2006 ACC championship game, Wake Forest quarterback Riley Skinner finished the game having completed 14 of 25 passes. He was a redshirt freshman, but MVP of the game, Wake Forest place kicker Sam Swank who hit, uh, what, three out of four field goals. Swanky, baby. For all of their nine points that they scored. So, yeah, good on you, Wake Forest. Um, yeah, so Dave Clawson gets a contract extension. you got to imagine there's at least some protection for Wake Forest in there. Um, and, and that's it's probably this mutually beneficial thing, right? Wake getting some protection from him getting hired elsewhere, but also him getting a raise for doing a really good job there. So um, good on you, both parties there. Uh Someone else got a contract extension, Mike, and I, I need you to tell me if you feel like this is justified or not. I, I'm i kind of on the fence here. Um, Dabo Swinney at Clemson, or is it Sweeney or Swiney or something? Um, he also got a contract extension, and I'm not totally sure what he's done to warrant that, but it sounds like they're trying to keep him around for at least a little bit longer. 
Yeah, he won something called the um, it's escaping me the national championship. Never heard. I think of it. it was yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking of protection from going elsewhere, there's a Alabama clause in there. Oh hell yes, there is. Yes, there is an Alabama clause in Dabo Sweeney's contract. In all we all see where this is going. Yes. Um, this is the call out to Dabo. Hey, uh, please don't go to Alabama. <laughs> Please don't leave us and go to essentially our only competition at this point. Like, please don't go. Well, um, and you know, like that's that's the only place that they're really scared that he would ever leave for. Where else is Dabo going to go? I mean, Dabo. Okay, so there was a there was an interview on ESPN that was done after he signed the extension, and they asked Dabo, "Okay, well, I mean, you had this Alabama clause in your contract." He said, "Yeah, it's something the school came to me with. I'm more than happy to sign it. I I love Clemson." You know, he basically said he has no intention of leaving, but he said, who knows what's going to happen in 10 years? He's like, I could have an athletic director come that comes in that I hate. I'm like, Davo hates people? Like, <laughs> that, that's a thing? Um, I just, man, I don't know. I mean, Nick Saban is going to be around for a while. Um, I don't see him retiring or slowing down anytime soon. But when that time eventually comes... I mean, I, there are plenty of arguments for Dabo not to make that jump to Alabama. Number one, he's building Alabama at Clemson. In fact, you can make the argument that he's already built a better version of Alabama at Clemson. So why would you why would you leave? Uh, but that's his alma mater. Maybe at that point in his career, it'll be time for him to make a change or something that would be more meaningful to him going and taking over for Nick Saban. But yep, there's an Alabama clause in there, Joey, and that's going to be very interesting. Uh, should that ever should that ever surface? The buyout is quite expensive. Mm-hmm. I I have a hard time seeing him ever leave Clemson. It, at some point, it's like, why would you? You know, and especially so you're in just an objectively easier neighborhood, an easier division, playing at Clemson in the ACC Atlantic than you would be playing in the SEC West. Recruiting just as well at Clemson as they do at Alabama. Yeah, even, even better some years. And in, and actually the way that they've built it, they're not even recruiting volume wise like other people have to. They're like they're keeping guys there for four and five years, but the quality is still there. I mean, they're they're pulling number one players at multiple positions from multiple states and all this. I mean, they're for only signing like fifteen guys per class, they are absolutely dominating the recruiting trail. Um, you know, why would you leave the Atlantic? Clemson, you've won two out of the three national titles that program has ever had. They're probably going to build a statue to you before your contract's over. Like, there's not really a good reason unless, yeah, A, you get a boss that you really hate. And honestly, at that point, you might be more powerful than your boss, you know, so you can fire Correct. him the way that, you know, you're LeBron James. He's the coach. Like, you get rid of him if you want. Yep. Um, but, but B, like, you, you go jump in a, a bigger pool without a whole lot of any extra benefit to it. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. And, Clemson seems to clearly be putting the resources together to do whatever he wants to do to pay him whatever he wants to be paid. So I, I don't see a reason he'd ever want to leave a prime. Sorry, a prime example of the uh, the whole recruiting thing that you just mentioned. Um, Clemson is losing essentially their entire front seven heading into next season. Mm -hmm. um, is anybody concerned about Clemson replacing that talent? Anybody? No, their win totals at like 11 in Vegas. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, Surprise, nobody's concerned. Uh, they're, they're still the favorites to win the national championship next season uh, because they have Trevor Lawrence. 
and their defense is going to be outstanding because they got four and five star players across the board still. So Mm -hmm. that's it's a factory, Joey. It's a factory Mm -hmm. in an easier conference than the SEC. Mm -hmm. I will maintain I I still kind of think of it and refer to it at times as fun Alabama. Yep. They are Alabama in every way, shape and form. There's just a lot more personality and their offense tends to be a little more interesting, even though in recent years, Alabama's kind of changed theirs up a bunch. They are so far ahead of the rest of the ACC, it's not even funny. There's not mm-hmm. a single team in the conference right now that I could put against them. At, put, take their own division, take the Coastal, put them against each other in the ACC championship game. Say it could be Clemson against anybody else in the conference, Joey. There's not a single team right now who I could put toe-to-toe with Clemson and expect for them to have success. It's not just- today. I would say that there's... There's probably only two programs in the ACC right now that if you let them run on all cylinders for a couple of years, you probably would. And it's the two Florida schools. Yep. It's Miami and Florida State. If you gave yep. them a couple of years of just top 10 in the country recruiting, of, of really good coaching, everything kind of going well, Yep. I think those two could threaten Clemson. Totally agree. And that's but, only because of the caliber of recruits that they're able to get mm-hmm. uh, relative to the rest of the conference. I totally mm-hmm. agree with that. Yep. But other than that, you're right. I mean, they're Clemson's lapping the field right now, and it's you know, it's a little surprising that another team in the division was able to win ten games last year, being Syracuse. But that came from a bowl game, and I mean, there there wasn't really a lot of threatening Clemson there, except for the fact that they did kind of threaten Clemson in Death Valley when Trevor Lawrence got hurt. But we'll see if they can keep that up again this year in the Carrier Dome. Who's to say? All right, uh, one more coaching contract extension, Mike. Uh, your Virginia Cavaliers officially have re-signed and extended Bronco Mendenhall. Uh, he gets a two-year extension that's now going to go through the 2024 season. So this may have been a bit of a recruiting move as much as anything. But um, we we talked about this a little bit before we came on here. I don't know how much we really feel like Bronco is going to be the guy that gives Virginia the highest ceiling. But it seems like he, at the very least, gives them a a fairly high floor, which in the Coastal Division at this point goes a long way and, you know, might find their way into a division championship this fall just because they're not shooting themselves in the foot a whole bunch. And like I said, Joey, before we hit record, you can shoot yourself in the foot a bunch, a la Pittsburgh, and in some years you can still make the conference championship game. Mm -hmm. You will get absolutely obliterated by Clemson, but you can still make it. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, this is not the worst move in the world for Virginia. And granted, I mean, Bronco Mendenhall, and we gave we gave him a little bit of flack after the first year because it was so ugly in year one under Mendenhall. I mean, it was torn down to the studs even more than I think you and I expected it to be. Uh, you know, we knew the program wasn't in great shape under Mike London. Even though he was recruiting well, he couldn't coach the talent. He leaves, and Bronco Mendenhall essentially – you know, his team regresses in year one from the Mike London days. We're like, man, is this going to work? You get Bryce Perkins in, you're able to turn things around pretty quickly. You have a very good year last year. Um, you know, you're one of the teams that's considered to be a favorite in the coastal heading into this year, considering what they're bringing back on both sides of the ball, a lot of returning production. Um, you're losing a lot of star power at, at UVA, but you still return Bryce Perkins. Um, you're able to return Juan Thornhill. Like there's, there's players who are still going to be in the mix at UVA that make them relevant this year in the coastal. So it'll be very interesting. I think this is the right move 
for Virginia, keeping Bronco Mendenhall around. At the very least, you're turning the program around and keeping them relevant uh, and you know, really getting them back to consistent bowl eligibility, which I think is a huge step forward considering where they've been. I don't know, man. I, I sit here and I think about it, though, and it's like if you took this year's Virginia team and dropped it in the middle of what was the 2016 ACC Coastal, I even then I'm not so sure that they're more than like the third or fourth best team in the division. The 2016 Coastal, I mean, that's when you had a really damn good Pittsburgh team. You had Virginia Tech in year one under Fuente with, you know, Gerard Evans and a bunch of those guys. You know, they won the division. Um, Georgia Tech won nine games that year. Like, you had some really good teams that we have kind of fallen off in the last couple of years. And I think that's kind of what I'm getting at is that the ceiling for Virginia, I don't think would match up particularly well with the ceiling for Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech and Miami and, and North Carolina and, and a lot of these teams, even Pittsburgh maybe. But at the same time, you also get these cycles in the in the coastal where none of those teams is particularly competent in a whole lot of anything. And just, again, not being objectively terrible will, uh, will probably win you seven, eight games a year at the very least and probably put you in Charlotte. So, you know, you think about it this way. It's like, okay, if not Bronco, then who? I'm not sure. I, you know, I think he's about as good as anything they're going to find right now. And what he's doing seems to be working. I mean, they, they played well last year. They were close to winning the division. So there's clearly some good signs there and there's some progress being made. They've been better every year that he's been there, but I just, I, I question a little bit how far it goes from here and how much that's a product of Bronco versus a product of just being the Virginia football program. I just hope that he has more than like 12 ACC players on his roster now. <sighs> yeah. Although to be fair, like it's an even better coaching job that you're doing if you're taking that few players and actually winning a division with it. So maybe he's maybe he's really just setting himself up to toot his own horn. I don't know. The fact that he said that and then was still able to get this program turned around as quickly as he did, considering where they were at, you know, it's it's hard to imagine somebody else in there right now that could do a better job than Bronco, like you mentioned. If not Bronco, then who? And I think Virginia needs to ride this wave for a while at the very least. Um, you know, there's something to be said for a team missing bowl games multiple years in a row, then hiring Mendenhall, having him tear the whole thing down, put his program in there, um, get his players in the door and make consistent bowl games, right? Something that they mm -hmm. weren't doing for a while. And and then maybe, you know, Bronco Mendenhall goes four or five years in a row making bowl games, you know, winning six or seven games a year. Then you're Steve Adazio, right? And then you start to hear rumors about whether or not Steve Adazio is going to be able to stick around at Boston College because he's just going seven and five every year. Maybe that's the conversation we end up having a few years down the line with Mendenhall. Who knows? But, you know, to get to that point, I think would even be a win for Virginia considering where this program was before he got there. Yep. And there's just so much you have to consider with each of these programs and the results and the coaches. I mean, there's a lot, a lot having to do with the investment that you're putting in and to some degree, just kind of what is any given program capable of given their recruiting territories and all those things. So, you know, I think some of that context included Bronco doing a good job. It's just a, a question to be seen if he can keep building on it or if it's at some point going to kind of stall out and you plateau and are you good with that or are you not? Which, Mike, brings us to our next discussion topic. Um, we're going to start talking – I want to talk through the NFL draft a little bit. 
with, you know, kind of as it related to the ACC, this happened a little over a month ago. So we are uh, being quite timely with this, but um, talk through the NFL draft and then and specifically and what we've talked about before, I want to talk about how, um, how this all plays particularly with NC state. Um, and so we'll get into that here in just a minute, but uh, for the NFL draft about a month ago, Mike, the ACC had 28 draft picks, uh, including seven in the first round, which is pretty impressive. Um, we'll go through those first rounders here. Number four overall to the Raiders, Cleland Farrell out of Clemson. This was probably quite a bit higher than a lot of people thought he was going to be taken, but there seems to be also some pretty mixed opinions. There's a lot of people that think that, that was a pretty good pick. So good on you, Raiders. Um, number six overall to We told your... you. We yeah. told you. Oh, my gosh. You. Oh, my God. We told you, like, a year ago. We told you. Sorry. This is this is embarrassing to even like say out loud. Number six overall pick in the NFL draft to the New York Giants, none other than Duke quarterback Daniel Jones. Amazing. Amazing. Was, and especially amazing how we just knew, just knew he was going to get overdrafted. Fall in love with that skill set, Joey. Uh, you know, hey, he got coached by the the guy that coached the Mannings. So that, that's true. That goes a long way, Mike. He threw uh four picks in a 35 point loss or whatever it was to wake forest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, so, but he got coached by the Mannings or whatever. <sighs> Manning coach. Damn shares, it. Shares the coach with them. Whatever. He, he was literally the Josh Allen of this year's draft. Yep. And, and uh, I'll, I'll always remember Bill Conley writing the article last year before Josh Allen was inevitably going to be like a top 15 pick that there is basically no statistical precedence for any quarterback having better numbers in the NFL than they had in college. And Josh Allen's numbers in college were not good. Half of his passes were completed in the Mountain West. Yeah. Daniel Jones's numbers in college may be marginally better than Josh Allen's were. Better conference, but yeah. And his best numbers were as a freshman. He steadily regressed. As time went on, remember how good we thought he was going to be after his freshman oh, yeah. year? Oh, we thought he was going to be so good. I, I believe we were touting him as a potential ACC player of the year candidate after his freshman year. It was the first year we were doing the podcast and we said he's a guy who could be a dark horse for ACC player of the year, uh, you know, offensive player of the year. Mm -hmm. And he was garbage. Mm -hmm. Of course, he was hurt a little bit. That didn't help. But he steadily regressed from his freshman year when he looked like he was going to be the next big thing in the ACC. It's actually the most perfect thing, perfect way to describe him is I heard somebody describe him as Daniel Jones looks like the guy that plays Eli Manning in a movie about Peyton. Yep, that sounds about right. <laughs> Which is even better when you look at a picture of him. So and uh, cut. Yeah, tell me, uh, tell me how that's wrong. But anyways, right. uh, Mike, the other five picks came within a six pick span in the middle of the first round. You had 13, 14, 16, 17 and 18 uh, in order. Starting with Christian Wilkins, defensive tackle out of Clemson to the Dolphins. Uh, Chris Lindstrom, guard out of Boston College to my Falcons. Uh, Brian Burns at 16, defensive end out of Florida State to the Panthers. Dexter Lawrence, 17 to the New York Giants, defensive tackle. Oh, honestly, uh, he took Austrian. All right, sorry. Whatever. Yeah. Um, if honestly, if you had flipped the Daniel Jones and Dexter Lawrence picks, nobody would have blamed you. And also, right. I think people actually probably would have been a little bit happier with that. Yep. So whatever. Um, and then Garrett Bradbury, uh, center out of NC State, went 18 to the Vikings. Uh, seven first-round picks in the NFL draft. It's pretty good. Uh, pretty good look out of the ACC. Uh, three of them out of Clemson. 
as could be expected, but also some good uh, smattering of other teams in there. I mean, a pretty successful first round to be mm -hmm. able to have that many guys picked out of one conference. So Yeah, not bad. Uh, from there, there were 21 other players picked. Uh, we'll go through some highlights here. Second round, 40th overall to the Raiders, went Trayvon Mullen out of Clemson. Uh, and then what you mentioned earlier, Mike, uh, 63, end of the second round to the Chiefs was Juan Thornhill out of Virginia. He's actually not coming back next Ooh, year. Whoops, surprise. I meant, Bryce, I meant Bryce Hall. I messed up. I mean, Sorry. it's May. Yeah, it's May, and I confused one all-ACC defensive, <laughs> defensive player in the secondary with another who's – Mm -hmm. yeah. whoops uh boston college a pair of third round picks zach allen defensive end and jermaine uh, excuse me uh, uh will harris the safety uh they were straddling linebacker jermaine pratt at nc state they all three went in the third round uh ryan finley fourth round 104th overall to the Bengals. that felt late to me mike i yep. felt like he was probably one of the better quarterbacks in the draft and i don't know how he fell to the fourth round uh i mean you know Welcome back to the NFL. People just fell in love with Daniel Jones' skill set, so Ryan Finley naturally had to fall on that sword and slide down the draft board. To be fair, one of my favorite annual memes is becoming how college football people do not understand how NFL people clearly don't watch college football. Correct. Like, they're all like, oh, who's this, uh, you know, who's this one character? And it's like, you mean the guy that's won, like, multiple conference player of the year awards the last couple of years? Like, right. How have you never heard of Lamar Jackson? Yes. Like, <laughs> you want a Heisman. Yeah. Like, God. Yes, he runs well, but, you know, he can throw good and other stuff, too. Yes. Know, so. And, and, win, and win, win trophies and stuff, like individual <laughs> accolades for being the best player in his sport. Yep. Um, yep. God. Also in the fourth round, defensive end Austin Bryant out of Clemson. That felt a little bit later. We thought there might be all four of them going in the first round, and uh, one of them fell out all the way to the fourth. That's fine. Uh, Sheldrick Redwine, safety out of the Miami. He goes to the Browns, and uh, we'll move on to the fifth round. Hunter Renfro goes to the Raiders. He is Renfro, baby. Yeah, after 11 years in college, he has called it quits and gone gone pro finally, and uh, starts his job at Nationwide in a few months. Yeah. <laughs> sitting right next, sitting in a cube right across from Peyton Manning, who uh, <laughs> also made his hay in the NFL. Believe it or not. You think they feel threatened by the Limu Emu? God. <laughs> Anyways, uh, three picks later, Kadri Allison running back out of Pittsburgh goes to my Falcons. Uh, you had a pair of Miami defenders, Michael Jackson and Joe Jackson, uh, cornerback and defensive end going to the Cowboys later. Two-fifths two of the Jackson five. I'll, That's be right. all, I'll be here all week. Nice. Where's Janet? Did she oh. get picked? Yeah, man. She's still uh, trying to put her clothes on from the Super Bowl. Fellow Miami players Jaquan Johnson and Travis Homer go in the sixth round, uh, as did Tim Harris, corner out of Virginia. Uh, Kelvin Harmon, wide receiver at NC State, goes all the way down in the sixth round. That was late for what I thought he was going to do. That is going to be a steal. Yeah, um, except it's the Redskins, which you never know what they're going to turn anybody into. Or they, not. Draft, they drafted Josh Doxson that one time. I mean, my gosh. That's doesn't feel like that's going great so far. No, um, not well. Finishing off the sixth round was Demarcus Christmas out of Florida State. Uh, then you had a couple of seventh rounders, Tommy Sweeney out of Boston College and Chris Slayton out of Syracuse. Um, biggest probably snubs that I see. I mean, the, the one that stuck out to me was Jacoby Myers out of NC State. I mean, 
again, we thought that Kelvin Harmon was going to go like in the top three rounds probably and didn't think Jacoby Myers was going to be far behind him. And somehow Harmon falls to the sixth and, and Myers didn't get drafted at all. He did get picked up, but I thought that was a, a bit odd that nobody drafted him. Calvin Harmon going as late as he did is the one that surprised me, even though, you know, he did get drafted. Um, mm-hmm. Him going in the sixth round was a surprise. I thought he was definitely going to go. And I mean, I don't know anything about the NFL draft. Clearly it's scouting <laughs> and neither do they though. So I don't feel that bad about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he could have easily been like a middle round pick. So for him to go late was a surprise to me. Yep. Uh, just a couple of teams kind of glancing at this list that did not have any draft picks. Um, my team, Georgia Tech, my team, Louisville, your team, Virginia Tech, none of which had any players drafted this year. Uh, First time in a while for Virginia Tech. Yeah, quite a while, especially with as many defensive players as they've been able to put out in years in recent years. That's uh, that's unusual. Their one opportunity this year with uh, now they didn't have a lot of seniors on the roster, or draft eligible juniors that were good enough to come out. But the one guy who would have likely been considered if he played a little bit better was Ricky Walker, but he wasn't healthy really all year. So that didn't help his case. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's one of those deals, man. Perfect storm. Have all those young guys and your draft eligible players either aren't good enough or didn't produce like a lot of people thought they would. You know, the segment we're about to do on NC state, we probably need to do it on Boston college next because Boston college at seven and five had four draft picks here. Whereas a bunch of other teams had none. Um, other teams that had none, it looks like, uh, buh, 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 buh. damn it, I had one. It was going to be North Carolina, but no, they had Cole Holcomb taken in the fifth round by the uh, Redskins. Um, yeah, so, you know, bit of a uh, bit sparse for a couple of these teams, but overall pretty good showing for the ACC, I would say. I think that was, I think they were the second most, um, uh, third most after the Big Ten and the SEC um, in terms of uh, players being taken. So pretty good showing. Could have been worse. Could have been worse in an overall down year for the conference to still have that many players taken was pretty solid. All right, Mike, I need to get into my uh, my masterpiece here. Um, I've been talking about this for a little bit, and I, I was excited. I put some work into this, so um, I was excited. NC State. Um, I want to start this by saying we, we talked about a couple months ago that Dave Doran got a contract extension. Um, NC State now has extended him two straight off seasons. Uh, he, in those two extensions, he's also gotten raises to go from $2.2 million a year in salary up to three and a quarter million dollars a year in salary. That's close to a 50% bump. I think it's upward a little bit, somewhere between 47 and 48% of a raise within two years. Pretty good if you can get it. Yeah. I mean, good on him. Take it, take it where you can get it. Um, it goes through 2023 now. So he'll be the coach there for the next five or so years. Um, I'm not really sure how I feel about that. And honestly, I don't feel great about it. Um, and, and here's why is that NC state this year had four players drafted. Again, it was Jermaine Pratt, Garrett Bradbury, uh, Ryan Finley, Kellen Harmon, a couple other uh, undrafted free agents. That's fine. That goes with the seven players they had drafted last year. Bradley Chubb, BJ Hill, Justin Jones, Naeem Hines, Contavious street, Will Richardson, Jalen Samuels. And, and Mike, my, my thing with this is that these players were all on the roster to start the 2017 season. And we knew at that point that NC State had a ton of talent on the roster, right? And and they were able, you know, a, a program like that that has had such a hard time through history taking big steps up, this was this was their opportunity. 
What they've done since then, they went nine and four and finished 23rd in the country in 2017. And then they went nine and four and finished unranked in 2018. Um, they've had, they lost both years to Wake Forest, a Wake Forest team that they were more talented than. Uh, and this year in particular, that they were at home on a Thursday night and had a lead against and they blew it. Um, and it's just like, this feels like this is about as good as you're ever going to get from this NC state program with Dave Dorn. I don't know that you're going to get a situation where you have 11 draft picks in two years, all on the same roster. And you're going to, now all of a sudden I'm supposed to think you're going to do better than nine and four. Um, Mike, I looked into this 11 players drafted between 2018 and 2019. There were, uh, six programs that had more players drafted in that time frame. Alabama had 22, of course. Ohio State with 16, Georgia with 13, Washington with 13, Oklahoma with 12, and, and Penn State with 12. They're good teams. Give me the results, Joey. Pretty good. And actually, let me give you this too. There were another six teams that had 10 players drafted. NC State, the only one with 11. There were another six teams with 10 players drafted. So there's a total of 13 teams that had double-digit draft picks in the past two NFL drafts combined. The other six teams being Auburn, Florida, LSU, Notre Dame, Ole Miss, and Texas A&M. Um, Mike, when I texted you earlier today, did some digging, and what you find out is that of all those 13 programs, there are only two of those programs that have neither played in a New Year's Six game nor fired their coach within that time span. And it is NC State and it is Ole Miss. Whoops. All of them played in a, a New Year's Six game with the exception of Texas A&M, who fired their coach after 2017, and Ole Miss, again, which is under scholarship sanctions and is the you know subject of the most recent recruiting scandal, and they're just kind of a mess, and you don't really want to be associated with them right now. Yep. Other than that, everybody has at the very least played in a New Year's Six Bowl. Most of them you know, have won at least their division – and then you have NC State, who has barely finished ranked. And Mike, my, my big issue with this, again, is not it's not that Dave Dorn's not a good coach. It's not that the teams haven't been good. They have been. I, I just question how much this really warrants a reward like this, right? Like, this is the best you're ever going to get. And it's clear that there's there's the ability to get that talent to NC State. Do we not think that there's somebody that could do more with it than Dave Dorn's been able to? I think there is something to be said for the players that he's bringing in. With that being said, I completely understand what, like, what you're saying here. I think what NC State's probably hoping is that with some offensive and defensive coordinator tweaks, maybe some assistant coaching tweaks, you're able to take that nine and four team to ten and three, or uh, you know, eleven and two. That that would be the best case scenario for NC State. Does that happen? No, absolutely not. There's no shot it happens. I I'm of the opinion that this is the best they're going to be able to do. I like you said. I don't think they're going to have a two year span where they have 11 draftees again at NC State. That doesn't seem likely. You named off a bunch of teams there that um, had at least 11 guys drafted. Right. Penn State with 12, Oklahoma with 12, Washington with 13, Georgia with 13. Um, Ohio State with 16, Alabama with 22. Um, those are six programs that I would consider to be some of the some of the best programs in college football, right? I don't consider NC State in the same breath as any of those teams. 
Um, Washington goes to Washington's in the mix for a New Year's Six Bowl every year. If they're not in one, um, they're in the mix for the college football playoff. They've been to a college football playoff. Penn State, New Year's Six. Oklahoma, constantly in the mix for at least New Year's Six. Uh, they've been to a college football playoff. Georgia's been to a college football playoff. Ohio State, uh, they ha- while they haven't been to a college football playoff in, in that two-year span, they have been to two New Year's Six games. They won the Cotton Bowl and won the Rose Bowl. So, I mean, this is a legitimate conversation. Alabama's Alabama. Clemson had less dra- NFL draft picks. They had nine of them, Joey, less than NC State. They lost in the semifinal, college football playoff semifinal, and then they won a national championship last year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some of it has to do with younger talent producing, right? You just don't have as many guys drafted. Some of it's just a numbers thing and luck at the draw. But some of it, you know, there is credence to what you're saying. This could be the best that NC State can do. And to that point, why is Dave Doran getting a 50% salary raise if this is the best you can do in Raleigh? I, I don't understand it, but um, it's one of those things where you have to sit around and kind of see how this plays out. I mean, I don't really expect him to do much better than he's been doing, but maybe he's able to break through that ceiling. Now to play devil's advocate a little bit, um, Doran does get nearly a 50% raise, but really it only puts him, if he were making three and a quarter million dollars last year, it would have put him around 40th overall in the country. Uh, I think it would have put him right behind Chip Kelly at UCLA. So it's not like he's now being paid like he's some sort of college football royalty. So Honestly, it's probably a good raise to give him if you don't want him just totally heading for the hills of the first job offer he gets. Clearly, half more than half the Power Five is paying their coach more already. So, is he going to get a better job than NC State? Don't mean to cut you off, but like, mm, you know, he flirted with Tennessee, but so did I. Yeah, <laughs> like, but he who did not flirt with Tennessee last year, right? Uh, cast the first stone. No, yeah. Um, I mean, everybody was on the list after Shiano ended up unceremoniously not taking the job. It's a, I mean, it's a valid question, though, is that, I mean, again, you had as many pieces in place as you had, and this is, this is the best you could do with it. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, it, NC State feels like it's about a, you know, mid to above average level job among the Power Five. You know, and if you're giving, you know, I guess maybe that's the results that you're getting. I don't know. I don't know. I'm torn. I, it felt like a bit of a weird hire coming out of Northern Illinois to begin with. He had like one really good season. And other than that, that was kind of the biggest uh, piece of his resume coming in. So it feels like he just has one really good season, gets a bump, has another really good season, gets a bump, which is what should happen. But like, I feel like at some point we're just going to continue to reward mediocrity. It's kind of like the anti-UVA, right? Like Mm -hmm. they give Bronco Mendenhall an extension because he's turning the program around, but like the way that contract is structured, they can kind of break out of that at any time. If it does turn into like a Steve Adazio like situation, Mm -hmm. that's not to say NC state can't get out of theirs, but like they've made it clear that Doran is their guy, which honestly a couple of years ago, it didn't really seem all that likely. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch this fall with them because at this point you are straight up hardcore hitting the reset button on offense. 
For sure. You're, you're replacing a three-year starting quarterback in Ryan Finley. You're re- replacing his top two receivers. You're replacing your running back. You're replacing a bunch of your offensive line. You're replacing your offensive coordinator. Eli Drinkwitz goes and he's now the head coach at uh, Appalachian State. Right. So, like, it is a total reset on offense here for uh, for NC State. And that's a year after doing a pretty much a total reset on defense um, as all these guys were, were drafted and, and taken away. You know, so I – I don't know. I could see this thing kind of falling back, falling back to earth from as, as high as it was sailing, you know, but falling back to earth a little bit. And it wouldn't shock me if you get, you know, two, three years from now and you're looking at Dave Dorn and saying, damn, how big is this buyout? Like, what do we got to pay to get rid of him? Yeah. And I mean, I think there are a lot of fans at NC State and we'll ask Will Thompson at some point about this. I know there is a group group of fans at nc state because that's a very passionate fan base that don't feel like dave dorn was worth the money they're paying him right Mm -hmm. and this is going to be an interesting fall for all the reasons you just mentioned the complete reset on offense from coordinator on down it's gonna be very interesting um this is certainly a program that could take a step back they could certainly miss a bowl game that wouldn't surprise me you know you could have all these things happen this fall and you're paying dave dorn how much money because like you said, relative to other power five jobs, maybe he's not making as much money as some of these other coaches. But considering the raise he just got, if he puts out a mediocre or less than mediocre team this fall, despite everything that they're losing, I mean, there's a lot of pressure ratcheted up just because of the extension they got. Mm-hmm. I just look at this and it's 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 also it's looking at the level of talent as compared to the competition. NC State led the ACC in these draft picks. Right. NC State had 11. Next was Clemson with nine, Florida State with eight, Boston College with seven, Miami with six and Virginia Tech with five. And think about and think about those teams you just mentioned. Most of them underachieved, right? Mm -hmm. Like you mentioned Virginia Tech, you mentioned Boston College, who got off to a hot start last year and was expected to be a lot better than they ended up being. Right. Um, you know, Clemson obviously wins a national championship. Florida State wasn't very good. Miami wasn't very good. I mean, there are a lot of teams in there. And now Miami was was better as the season went on. So that was, you know, they, they were playing well on defense all year. But, you know, it was a weaker division. They were able to beat teams that they should beat with the talent that they had. But they underachieved because they couldn't figure out quarterback, right? They so fired they, their coach. And they end up firing and they, yeah, I mean, Rick, basically, leaves. yeah, I mean, Rick leaves, but like, it was one of those situations where he wasn't going to let go of his son. Right. So it got pretty, mm-hmm. I mean, Cam spoke to that when he was on with us last month. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. Cam talked about how Mark Rick wasn't going to let his son go off the staff and create kind of an untenable situation. He just said, all right, I'm, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty much like, all right, well, if I need to get rid of my son, like you're going to lose me. Miami says, okay, that's cool. See you later. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just one of those deals where there are a lot of teams that underachieve from that list. And it's just kind of interesting relative to the amount of draft picks that they had. Yep. So I don't know, again, I, I feel like I've said some stuff like this for a few months now and I feel like I'm a hater and people probably think I'm a hater. So if, if you think I'm a hater, hit me up. I'm at Mike McDaniel CFB on, nice. on Twitter. Yeah. Appreciate um, that. A lot of fans hate me anyway, especially <laughs> Miami fans. So shout out to them. There you go. Uh, this, this, hey, this is the, I hate Miami podcast, right? Right. Oh, uh, no, we're a Bowling Green podcast. Oh, speaking of which, while we're while we're still hitting record here, I don't know if you saw this with the whole baby being born thing. You know where I'm going. I did see this, and I'm so excited about <laughs> we it. We were added to a Bowling Green. So, so you know on Twitter, you can be added to these lists, right? You can have certain accounts follow you. 
Well, we were added to a Bowling Green recruiting list on Twitter. And we also had a recruit get an offer from Bowling Green. And we were tagged in the tweet. Your official Bowling Green podcast at BC Podcast ACC on Twitter was tagged in a tweet citing a Bowling Green recruit receiving an offer from Scott Leffler and Brian Van Gorder. You cannot make this shit up, gang. You can't Absolutely not. We are a Bowling Green podcast now. I think it's official. It's officially official. It is official. It's going to be a running joke for a while. And as long as they keep tagging us in tweets, I'm just going to keep hyping this shit up. And we're just going to completely rebrand. It won't won't be good for us, but... I was going to say, we're going to 100% just confuse the hell out of some people and and nobody's going to get it. Yeah. Well, they'll have to listen to the pod, you know? (laughs) We are are nothing if not marketing gurus, Mike. Right. Correct. That's why we have Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast, undoubtedly sinking our SEO. That's right. That's right. Everybody's favorite college football podcast with the word basketball in the name. So this is this is completely totally organic. So we'll just make it happen. <laughs> Good times, um, Mike. I think that's about all I got. Do you have anything else before we uh, we head out of here? I think we're good. This is a good recap. I'm glad we were able to hit record. This is. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm uh, ridding myself of toxins, <laughs> so to speak. This is yeah, the, the good old uh, news detox. Yes, here. it's a news detox because God knows how much I love the news. <laughs> we have uh, we have a bunch of other just like random assorted stories and content and such that's come out. We, we'll probably try to record here again here within a couple of weeks and uh, get some more things here out of the chamber. But uh, in the meantime, yeah, I think this has been a good, a uh, little bit dense for for June or for excuse me for May. It's still May. Um, a little bit dense for that, but you know, it's been a, a good little catch up session here. It's been a couple months here, so it's or several weeks. Yeah, has been good. Like to apologize again for the Bryce Hall and Juan Thornhill mix up. Sorry, I got two UVA defensive players in the secondary wrong in May. Relax, mm-hmm. everybody. Uh, by the way, and I just remembered this, um, none of y'all listening to this right now, none of y'all have done your homework. We asked for homework. We asked you to come up with the Bowling Green football drinking game featuring Scott Leffler and Brian Van Gorder that would entertain us but not kill us. And you have not turned in your homework yet. So it is at this point, it is overdue. Um, it, this is going to show up on your permanent record. I was told that's a thing and or maybe still a thing. I don't know. Mine has God knows what on it by this point. Um, yeah. Tweet at us some ideas um we'll kind of see where that goes we might die anyway <laughs> honestly on a long enough timeline of watching bowling green football andrew yeah as, as andrew whitworth offensive lineman for the Rams, says at the end of the day we're all gonna die <laughs> um i and joey real quick i had to pull up the actual tweet it was from may 20th 2021 wide receiver samir Hagens has received an offer from bowling green at Bowling Green Football, at BC Podcast ACC. <laughs> and, it has, and if you guys go find this, I'm going to retweet this right now from our account. Um, you guys go find this as, I believe it's Corso on College Game Day with the Bowling Green Falcon mascot head on, and he's in a very celebratory mood. Yes. I yes. Love I love it. My gosh. Um, anyway. I don't know where to go with that, but yeah, that 
that is the current state of affairs as it relates to uh, Bowling Green football and things that we told you were a horrible idea. So total total offseason mess. Absolutely. Uh, Mike, you want to get out of here and come back and uh, recap here or talk about others? Look, I just need to get out. I can't put words together at this point. We've we've about been pushing the limits here. Yeah, as John Rothstein says on Twitter, Joey sleeps in May, but he. T- Turns out he did not sleep in May. So Mm-mm. really Mm-mm. hoping, really hoping for June. Absolutely. Well, we'll we'll have to see. Maybe I'll come back in a couple weeks and be a little more coherent. But uh one can only wish. I, I've heard I've heard it gets better from here, but time will tell. Yep. Can't get any worse, right? They say that the sleep actually so they figure out how to sleep within the first month or two. They start sleeping really good, and then there's a sleep regression around the four to five month mark. Nice. So right when you start getting comfortable and feeling like yourself again. And right when Pac-12 after dark starts. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So when your boy needs to comfort his boy. Oh, my God. This is going to be dangerous. going to be watching Joey... Utah, Arizona State at 10.30 p.m. on Fox Sports Regional Network. And as you all know, this is a problem anyway because Joey and I are addicted to this shit. So we're going to be on the Pac-12 after dark train even more than usual losing all of our money on bets we have no business making because we've been drinking all day and you know what betting on usc and arizona state at 12 30 on espn2 man that sounds like a really good idea let's bet on that game right mm-hmm. now um that's gonna happen while joey's got a kid in his arms and i'm just being a degenerate oh yeah i'll be uh, kid will be in one hand the other hand will be trading back and forth between a beer and the phone so I can put in a, a little bit of action on whatever games I'm watching here. So Slash shooting me a text saying, I can't believe we bet on this game. What were we thinking? <laughs> Talk to you again next week. Same yes. thing. Same time, same place. Same yes. subject. Yes. Anyways. Mike, let's get out of here. I need to go attempt to get some sleep. It probably is not going to go great, but you know, we'll make an effort anyways. Um we're going to come back and, and talk about some more ACC football in the offseason. We're actually getting close to some previews time. Uh, it'll be coming here your way probably about six weeks or so. Uh, so keep an ear out for that. Keep uh, keep the subscribe button mashed, um, and, and we'll, we'll hit you with that. Uh, in the meantime, y'all can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. You can send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Like riding a bike, man. Doesn't matter how long we haven't done this. I, I can still get that part right. It's just get, a matter of actually hitting the dismount. Get back on that horse. Absolutely. Every day. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. That part I almost forgot about. That, yes. that horse That horse almost ran off without me. Yes. Um uh, Mike, you want to tell them where they can find us in the social medias? The horse is loose like that one in the uh, Preakness. <laughs> that was fun. Home, home free, baby. That was fun. Yes, he's still running. Uh, <laughs> Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there, Joey. That horse was a good boy. Good oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mike, they can also find us on YouTube if they want to come watch and, and check out as the uh, bags under my eyes continue to grow throughout the course of this episode you can come check us out there to search for basketball conference we don't have a fancy url or anything and and you um, can look at that one poster behind me uh, oh hell yeah in the loft in my apartment as well and and what you can actually do so i got this mirror hung on the wall behind me nice and in the mirror in the reflection you can see where my diploma is hanging over here because i've had some time around the house and we've got some stuff hung so nice that's, that's an upgrade nice um uh, there was something else and now I can't remember what it was. This is the story of my life at this point.
Uh, want to come back and do this again soon? Yeah, that'll work. Let's just do that. All right. All right. All right. For that guy, Mr. Mike McDaniel, uh, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Hopefully we'll get some sleep between now and then, but we'll see. Uh, and until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.